This is episode number 26 with Jason Goldberg. Welcome to the Mindset Horizon podcast. My name is Tibor Nagy, mindset and performance coach and the founder of Mindset Horizon. The mission of this weekly show is to reveal the disruptive mindset of purpose-driven entrepreneurs, high performers, visionaries, and change makers, so you can transform your mindset, realize your full potential, and execute on your dreams. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Now let's get started. Welcome back everyone to the Mindset Horizon podcast. I'm really excited to announce that today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a 30-day free trial membership. By signing up for free, you are going to receive your first free audiobook and two free Audible originals. Go to mindsethorizon.com forward slash audiobook and sign up for a 30-day free trial membership today. That's mindsethorizon.com forward slash audiobook. That's A-U-D-I-O-B-O-O-K. Again, that's mindsethorizon.com forward slash audiobook. Get the free trial, the free audiobook, and two free Audible originals today. And now let's dive into the episode. My guest today is Jason Goldberg. And before I tell you anything about Jason, I just want to let you guys know that I was super excited and honored to have Jason on the show. And I'm so grateful that I created this space called the Mindset Horizon Podcast, where I get to talk to such amazing minds as Jason. And so if you're a coach, consultant, or service-based impact-driven entrepreneur, you're absolutely going to love this conversation because Jason is just dropping some real value bombs to shift your mindset and elevate your coaching business. So amongst other things, Jason shares his astonishing story of becoming an entrepreneur. He talks about his first two business ventures and how he got into the business of coaching. We talk about overcoming your ego as a coach by coming from a place of service. We talk about the mindset of coaching high achievers, leaders, and CEOs, how to elevate your coaching business by being playful instead of being serious, and how to create a competition-proof coaching business by mastering three core areas, the genius zone, the comfort zone, and the service zone. And now a couple of words about Jason. So Jason Goldberg is an award-winning entrepreneur, transformational speaker, and leadership and business coach. He has coached hundreds of individuals and groups to shift their mindset, take creative action, become more prosperous, and have a bigger impact in the world. Jason also helped transform countless businesses to overcome challenges and develop opportunities using their unique message, talents, gifts, and perspectives. Jason is also the author of the international bestseller, Prison Break, Vanquish the Victim, Own Your Obstacles, and Lead Your Life. He is the creator of an incredibly successful online coaching program called Playful Prosperity, the co-host of the Not So Serious Life with Steve Chandler, and also the co-host of Master's Circle by Evercoach. Before shifting his focus to the world of human potential, Jason earned his MBA degree, served as the director of engineering and operations for a technology firm, was the co-founder and CEO of a groundbreaking executive transportation company, and was also the co-founder and CEO of a technology commercialization startup in partnership with NASA to bring innovations from the space shuttle program to the private sector. As a sought-after international speaker and host, Jason has shared the stage with some of the world's greatest thought leaders and innovators in human potential and performance, including Jason Silva, host of National Geographic's Brain Games, Dr. Sean Stevenson, The Three-Foot Giant, Don Miguel Aruz, author of the book The Four Agreements, Vishen Lakiani, CEO of Mindvalley, Stephen Cutler, peak performance expert and the author of the book Stealing Fire, Marissa Peer, the UK's psychotherapist to the stars, and so many others. So guys, without further ado, let's bring on today's incredible guest. Hi, Jason, and welcome to the show. What is up, man? I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm really excited. I, you know, just immerse myself into, into your uh, content and everything that you do, and um yeah, as I mentioned in the very beginning, you know, you're an award-winning entrepreneur, transformational speaker, 
TEDx speaker, author, and leadership and business coach. And I'm really excited to talk about different kind of topics that could be really helpful for coaches, consultants, uh, also from a business point of view, but maybe more importantly, uh, from a mindset point of view. Uh, but let's start with your your story, because I'm really interested uh, in your story. And I think others would love to know more about you. Uh, like, how did you get where you are today? Uh, focusing on the transitioning, maybe a little bit uh, and getting into coaching. Yeah. Well, first of all, I thought this was a cooking show, so I wasn't prepared for any of this stuff. So now I have to I have to figure out what I'm going to talk about. I thought we were going to talk about recipes, and no, I'm just kidding. Uh, and also, Love I'm it. seeing your name on the screen, and you know that your first, your first name is almost robot backwards. It's so close. It's so close. Oh, I'm sorry. I, my mind is weird. Okay. So anyway, so back to what you actually asked me. Let's be serious. Let's take this yeah. all very seriously. No playfulness, please. Just yes, seriousness. Just all serious all the time. That's the way to live your life. Uh, no, so. So it's a great question. So at least um, uh, professionally, I started off really early in tech, in technology. I was really, I was a total geek when I was little. Uh, My uncle, who was, I never had a father. My father left my mom when she was still pregnant. So I've never met him. I've never, I've only seen one picture of him. I've never talked to him. Uh, He was never around. So luckily for me, super, super grateful. I had a grandfather who was very present in my life. And then my mom has a twin brother who was always very prevalent and present in my life. So so he was a, a really guy, big guiding force for me, and he was into technology. Actually, both my uncles were very into technology and into computers. So when I was 13 years old, my uncle brought me along on like a weekend job he was doing at this huge company uh, in, in Florida to go in and like unbox 200 computers and like get them all connected to the network. So at 13 years old, I was like installing computers in, inside of a big corporation on a weekend. Of course, they had no idea I was doing it because I'm sure it was against the law with child labor laws, but, but they had no idea. And my uncle brought me in and it was super fun. <laughs> so that kept going, that, that kind of affinity, that love for like tech and for like, you know, cool stuff and how stuff worked. Like my mind just always loved to see how that stuff worked. And so I stuck with that. And so I, I was in tech from, you know, essentially when I was 13, but really my first real job in technology, I was 17. And then I stayed in tech uh, for about 15 years. Uh, and at the end of my, and that was when I ended my corporate career was back in, in 2011. Uh, but yeah, for those 15 years, I was in tech. And the last seven of those years, I was the director of engineering and operations for a, a managed service company. So basically like an outsourced IT company. Wow. And uh, so I did that. And then at the end of that, and in 2011 is when I finally took the leap and decided that I want to be an entrepreneur. I'd always had the entrepreneurial gene. And anybody who's like, anybody who's an entrepreneur now, yeah. You can probably look back and see where you kind of were doing entrepreneurial kinds of things earlier on in life. Uh, and, and for me, I totally had that. Like I, I did so many little things when I was younger. I remember when I was a kid, I would, my mom would buy me uh, like baseball and basketball cards. I was a huge fan of like sports cards. And I, there was this magazine that came out every month called the Beckett Magazine. And the Beckett magazine basically would tell you what every single baseball and basketball and football card was worth, like what its actual value was. So I would go through, my mom would buy me these packs of cards. I would go through and find the ones that were the highest value. I would put them in little you know, sleeves. I got a little uh, briefcase that I got from a garage sale for like three bucks. And I would put all the, the highest value cards in this, this uh, briefcase. And I would go to like strip malls and stuff where kids were with their moms and the kids would come over and see what cards I had. And they'd be like, oh, mom, that's the Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. I've been trying to get that one. The mom's like, all right, fine. Here's here's five bucks for the card. And the parents loved it because they didn't have to keep buying packs and packs of cards to get their kid the one they wanted. They could just buy it from me. Yeah. So so I've always kind of been in that kind of realm. And so in 2011, when I was you know at the height of my, my professional career, you know, I was in my late 20s. I was making well over six figures. Uh, that's when I decided to leave and start my first company, which was in the transportation space. Uh, and then I eventually went and uh, launched my second company uh, that was in partnership with NASA and the space shuttle program. And then eventually got into speaking and coaching uh, around 2013, 2014 uh, is when I got into this profession. And I've been in it uh, ever since. Wow, that's an amazing story. And it's so great to to listen to this. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, I want to focus on the coaching part of it. So my question would be, like, how did you transition to coaching, more importantly, from the corporate field to coaching? Like, what was the drive for coaching? Let's say this way. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. I don't know a lot of people 
personally, and, and, I, and I work now at my work is primarily with coaches uh, and, and coaching them and helping them build their businesses and things like that. And I very, I very rarely met anybody in coaching. Mm-hmm. And I can probably go a step further and say anybody who ends up being successful in coaching who got into coaching as an intellectual exercise. Um, for most people, I think coaching is something that they decide to do because the experience they've had of being coached was so profound that it's almost like if you go to a restaurant, that's like you have the best meal in the world. You cannot stand but to go tell every single person you know, you've got to go try this restaurant. They have the best whatever. It was that same kind of thing. It was like I had so much anxiety and and stress and depression and and suicidal thoughts and all these things growing up, uh, being a very heavy child. I was very overweight from a very young age. You know, first grade, five, six years old, I was the chunky kid. By the time I was 15, I had gotten up to 250 pounds, which is, is pretty big for a kid in high school. And by my late 20s, when I was at the height of my corporate career, I had gotten up to 332 pounds, which is, mm-hmm. is dangerous. It's, it's morbidly wow. obese. You're, you're on a track to, to be dead uh, well before your time uh, by being that heavy. So for me, and, there, and we can go wherever you want to go with this, and I talk about this a lot in my book, Prison Break, but for me... It was when I had this wake-up call, this this day that I say the universe cut me off, this day where I realized that the, the things that were causing me to have this, this sad, depressed, stressed out version of life each and every day were things that were were that I was creating in a sense from the inside out. I didn't know that. All I knew is that it was too much to bear and and sometimes I just didn't want to be on this planet anymore. But when I finally had this wake up call and I finally started diving into personal growth and I finally hired my first coach and then and then and finally got to my second coach who ultimately is a guy that I've been coaching with for 5 years and will coach with him as long as he'll have me. Uh, is when I really started feeling the effects of what transformation can look like when I really start taking personal responsibility for my life and when I understand how the equipment of the mind works. And when I went through that transformation and I saw how powerful it was for me, very selfishly, I said, listen, this this can't be it. Like I, I got to do more with this. And, and, and of course, there's always stuff for me to work on. It wasn't like I was done, but I, it's got to be more than that. I, I can't hold this to myself. And so it became, and I didn't even know it was coaching. It became, how can I get paid? How can I make this my profession to impact other people in the same ways that I've been impacted? I didn't know it was going to be coaching initially. And then as I was diving into it deeper, I was like, oh, it's coaching. And then of course it's evolved from there. And now it's not just coaching and it's other things. But that was like my first dive into it was like, oh, now that I've experienced this transformation, I got to help other people do the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing, man. And um, it's really uh, similar to me. You know, when I started this podcast, for example, and coaching, it was like, I experienced this, these kind of things. And I want to, you know, just be on this journey as long as possible and, you know, how can I make this, you know, a business? Like, how can I make a business out of it, so to speak, right? Because if you look at the podcast, it's for me at least all about, and it's also connected to the to my values to some extent that, you know, growth and learning and, and being of service is, is, is this. So, of course, you can do many other things like, you know, speaking and, and sharing content or coaching or different kind of things where you can tap into these values. But for me, it was really important when I, embarked upon this journey of podcasting and um, I think it it your story and these things resonate with a lot of people who became coaches in some form that they experienced this transformation and I was just wondering like what was the biggest shift for you uh, because you talk about uh, mindset and a lot of distinctions that are really paradigm shifting for example being playful versus being serious um, so what difficulties did you have, for example, when you started out as a coach and how did you transform these or overcome these difficulties? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think for me, there was, there, there's, there were two sides of difficulties and and this is something that I see with, with most, most coaches that I work with. I think it's just kind of almost like a rite of passage uh, when, when you start something like this and really any entrepreneurial endeavor, but especially when you're doing something like coaching, I think there's even a, a deeper element of, of personal growth and personal transformation that we have to go through as coaches, because number one, we are meant to be an example for our clients. Uh, and number two, it can feel like we're selling ourselves. And if you have like, you know, an ice cream shop or something, you're like, oh, well, if people don't want the ice cream, it's that they don't like ice cream. But if you're a coach and people don't want your coaching, then you feel like, oh, I'm not a good enough coach or there's something wrong with me or I did something wrong or whatever it is. 
So for me in the beginning, and, and it's funny, like I, you know, it, it feels, it felt very embarrassing to talk about this in the beginning. And now I, I really get where it comes from. And really, I'm not embarrassed by anything in my past. Now I'll share yeah. anything. But, but for the most part, it was, it was very embarrassing in the beginning is that I really didn't think that I, that I could help people. I, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was worthy enough to help people. Like, who am I? To be helping people, who am I to be a twenty-something or a thirty-something? For me, it was thirty-something. But you know, for anybody who's starting earlier on, who am I as a twenty-something or thirty-something to tell people what to be doing with their lives, to tell them how to live a better life, to tell them how to be more successful? I'm not the the, the CEO of a five billion dollar company. I haven't you know run a bunch of triathlons and, and marathons. I haven't done all these things. Like, who am I to be coaching any of these people? And there was actually a yeah. time where it was really, really interesting. And, and I'd love to know, I don't know if you've ever experienced this or if your listeners have, I'd, I'd love to know about this, is in the beginning, I would have enrollment conversations with people. I would be on the phone and, and, and be you know, giving them an experience of coaching in the hopes that they would become a client if they, if they felt like it was a, a good fit and they experienced something transformational from that call. And I remember at the end of those calls, praying, like hoping they didn't sign up with me. And, and that sounds ridiculous. Why, If you're a coach and you want to make it your profession, why would you hope and pray that people didn't sign up with you? Well, I had such a deep feeling of, I don't know that I can help them over the long term. Like, sure, we have this great first call, but I mean, once they pay me, then I'm really screwed. Because then like, what if I suck? What if this is a fluke? What if they, this is a good call, but then the rest of the three months or six months or a year, I have no idea what to say. I have no idea what I'm talking about. And so I actually would 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 tell myself like, please, please, please don't have them sign up. So being able to shift out of that was one of the big ones. And, and the way that I, that I shifted out of that was to uh, understand that at any given time, I can be coming from a place of ego or a place of service. This is something my coach Steve Chandler has taught me and it has become the cornerstone of, of what I believe and what I teach. And, and it's, it's such a huge, huge distinction in any relationship, but especially in the coaching relationship, is that when I'm worried about what I can do, right, putting all the onus on me, making me responsible for every single thing they do. And if they do great, then I'm a great coach. And if they don't get the results they're looking for, then I'm a crappy coach. Like disconnecting myself from that and making it the same as it would be if you had an ice cream store that my coaching is a product that gets delivered. But if you're lactose intolerant, this ice cream is not going to be good for you. Or if you have sensitive teeth, this ice cream is not going to be good for you. Or if you are on a keto diet, this ice cream is not going to be good for you. That has nothing to do with me as the person scooping the ice cream. That has to do with what's right for you. So when I shifted out of this thing of like, I need to have all the answers, I need to be worthy enough and instead shifted into, am I willing to get out of my ego, to listen, to love fearlessly, to add insight wherever I can, to share stories from my own life, to invite people to consider different possibilities in their lives, but to not have to be the know-it-all who's going to fix everybody's life because supposedly it's broken. When I shifted that, it made it so much easier just to show up with people, be with people, love on people. And if there's some reason for us to continue to work together, then we continue to work together. Does that make sense? Wow, absolutely, absolutely. And coming from a place of service, I wanted to mention, for example, if there's a coach, so I had an experience with someone actually. So when you want to coach someone, right? So leaders, I don't know, CEOs, high achievers, and... um you may compare yourself to that person. That person achieved something bigger than you as a coach and something like that. It's, and it's a lot of time, it's not about that, right? So you can coach anybody because you are not coaching them on skills level sometimes, but on the mindset level. And then you, you focus on the way of thinking and changing paradigms, so to speak. What do you think about this? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, you know, here's the thing. There, there's, a couple, there's a couple things here. Uh, number one, it's when you're coaching somebody who's a really high performer and i and i've coached people who have sold businesses for you know 50 million literally 50 million dollars 50 uh, and i have no idea what it takes to grow and sell a 50 million dollar company from a skill set perspective i have no idea what it takes uh, to to get that level of of investment money or to deal with that level of an exit like that's just not something i have experience in and i wasn't there for that the biggest thing for me that I had to develop when I'm coaching people at that level is the courage and the willingness to be completely wrong and to say the things that make me completely uncomfortable. So this is this is a leadership 
uh, exercise. This is this is the other thing that uh, when I said how you know being a coach is a, is a huge personal growth um, exercise in and of itself because you have to disconnect yourself from your service. Uh, this is also one of the most beautiful opportunities in the world to become a better leader because it, yeah. the things that I don't say that that get me in trouble as a coach. It's the things that I don't call out. It's the ways that I I guard my my love or guard what it is that I think I'm seeing uh, that that cause me to not have good success with a client. So if I'm willing to be wrong, and listen, I say this all the time. I, I was just talking to somebody on the phone uh, to a client the other day, and I, and I actually remember saying like, listen, I I, I want to ask you something that feels a little uncomfortable for me to ask, and it may be a little uncomfortable for you to hear. Are you willing to, to listen to that? Are you open to that? Just asking for straight permission. And she said, yes. Mm-hmm. And I said, listen, I could be totally off base on this. I could be totally wrong, but here's what I'm sensing. And I even told her, I said, and this was a brand new client. I said, you'll get used to me saying this. I don't care if I'm wrong. I just care that we get to clarity. And so when mm-hmm. I when I asked her that, first of all, for permission, and second of all, telling her I could be completely off base on this, all of her resistance went away. There was nothing where she had to be on guard. She didn't have to be ready to defend herself because I'm telling her up front, I may be wrong. And the the funny thing about people is that if you tell them that what you're about to say is absolutely true, then all of their defenses go up. If you tell somebody what you're saying could probably be wrong, all of their defenses go down. And so when I do that, I can talk to anybody because I'm saying up front, hey, I'm an idiot. I could be wrong. But is there any sense of this that's true for you? And they go, oh, you know what? For an idiot, you actually bring up a good point. And so that's a really beautiful thing to do is practice asking for permission and practice telling them, listen, I could be totally wrong. Here's what I'm feeling and seeing. And I want to know from you if there's any part of this that resonates. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And you talk about, um, it reminded me of playfulness. And you know, when I went through your content, I was like, in the last three years, I think I was just missing fun, missing connections. And as I went through your content, I told myself, okay, 2020, I actually came up with one word. It was connection. So I wanted to connect with other like-minded people. But when I went through your content, I was like, no, 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 it's 2020. It's playfulness, connection, and fun. So I really like uh, your approach with this, with this playful concept. And uh, you had playful prosperity one of your online programs. So would you talk to us a little bit about this uh, concept, notion, playfulness? Yeah, I love that you brought this up and, 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 I, and I admire you for integrating that as a part of your, your 2020 uh, kind of intentions. I think that's, that's a great place to live from. And, uh, and for me, you know, I've always been the uh, kind of class clown, funny guy, center of attention. And, and, and even that all came from pain, right? That was, that was the pain of me being uh, overweight and not feeling valued and, and feeling like I didn't have anything to offer. And so I cultivated these elements of, of humor and empathy in my life to, to feel like I could connect to people and feel worthy. And the great thing is now that, that that's exactly what I do in my, my world, in my business world. So it served me well to develop that through pain. But the reason I say that is because it doesn't mean just because I'm the joyful, playful, you know, uh, laughy, jokey guy that I'm just that way all the time. That's something I have to do intentionally as well. It's it's a it's a practice for me. So so yeah. So I'm really I'm really glad that you mentioned the whole playfulness thing because playfulness to me is is a huge thing to talk about. It's my default is not necessarily to to be overly playful when it comes to things like business. Like I can be playful in so many other areas. I've always been you know the jokey, laughy, class clown, center of attention kind of guy. But left to my own devices, if I don't, you know, quote, do the work on myself, I will definitely take things too seriously. That, that's one of the reasons why I've made this the center of my work of being more playful is because I need the reminders to keep myself playful, to keep myself light. And so a lot of people think, uh, and this, this was a big shift that, that I, I've, you know, this is a big part of what I have to teach people when I talk about playfulness. Playfulness doesn't mean like, you know, shooting Nerf guns or, you know, throwing water balloons at people or like slacking off or like drinking and, and smoking weed all day and like hoping for the best. Like that's not playfulness to me because to me, playfulness, especially as it pertains to business, playfulness has to have an element of sincerity with it, right? So, so there's an Alan Watts distinction. It's serious versus sincere. I don't want to be serious about my work, but I do want to be sincere about my work. I want to put all of my love and my attention and my devotion and my creativity into the work that I'm doing in the world, but I don't need to take it too seriously. And 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 I'm actually getting deeper and deeper into this, even just in the last couple of weeks, is that you know there's there are a lot of people 
And this is going off in a, a totally different direction. I, I won't go too deep into this, but, but there's a, there are a whole group of people now who think that we're actually in a computer simulation. That life is a computer simulation. I don't know if you've read any of this, but it's really, really fascinating and interesting that some of the greatest minds in the world think that this earth and life is a big simulation. And, and whether or not that's true, what I love about that perspective is that if this is a computer simulation, that means there's a rhyme and a reason to everything that's around us. That means there's nothing that's actually left to chance, that everything in the universe is programmed to work a certain way. And so I like to think, and this is just something that is an understanding that I've been developing recently, I like to think that the earth as we know it, the world as we know it, not even the earth, but the the galaxy, the world, life as we know it is something that was created by something or someone or some form, whatever it was. And it started us off at the lowest level of consciousness we could possibly be at. And that's, you know, I mean, back to prehistoric times and, and cavemen and cave women and dinosaurs and all that stuff. And our job as human beings is to, during our time on this earth, raise the collective consciousness of the earth, raise the collective consciousness of people. Because I believe whatever created us, whether it's spiritual or it's a computer simulation, I don't really care. I don't really, I'm not attached to any of the, the, the origins. But what? But if you believe, like I believe, that this is all a test to see just how fast as a, as a civilization we can evolve our human consciousness then we start seeing every setback and every victory as just being a part of the game, a part of the game that's programmed in. There is not a single video game that's on the market that has not been programmed for you to win. Like literally, if you look online for uh, video games that are unbeatable, there are none that exist. There are a lot of people that complain that there are some games that are hard to beat or they feel impossible to beat, but every single video game that was ever created was programmed to be won. It was programmed to be conquered. And so if we can also believe that this game of life was programmed to be won, it was programmed to be conquered, then when something comes into our awareness or our client's awareness that throws us off, we can start to look at it and say, oh, this must be part of the level that I'm on right now. This must must be one of the programmed obstacles that I am fully equipped to get over because I'm in the game and the game was programmed for my greatest good because the game wants me to win. And so when I look at life through that lens, it allows me to be so much more playful with the setbacks. It allows me to be grateful for the highs and graceful with the lows because I know it's all a part of the game. Wow. That's an amazing metaphor. Wow. Really love it. And uh, playfulness is something that I, I, I want to implement in my life. And uh, this will help me and, and uh, other listeners as well, I'm sure. And, um, you know, I wanted to get back to ego versus service and content marketing because you basically implemented this mindset of coming from a place of service to content marketing, which is, which is really interesting and really helpful for coaches. Like, would you tell us a little bit more about that? I'm telling you why, because, you know, I know and I felt the same and, and uh, especially with the podcast, you know, I'm not a native English speaker, for example, and I was just, you know, postponing, putting myself out there with the podcast and everything and then sharing content. So I had the fear of what other people will think of me and so on and so forth. And I think it's a big one for a lot of people, especially coaches, as you mentioned, you put yourself out there. It's not a product. It's not someone else's product. It's, it's you, your services. It's, it's, it's really about you. So how do you like, uh, you know, shift this mindset, putting yourself out there with this uh, coming from a place of service? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And I think there's, there's an inner there's an inner game component to this and there's an outer game component to this. So there, there, there's a mindset shift to have, uh, mm-hmm. but there's also a skill set shift. And, and that's the thing that I, I want to make sure to say is that it's, you know, it, people say, oh, it's all an inner game. Well, it's not all an inner game because if you're super confident about flying a plane, but you've never had flight lessons, I'm not flying with you just because you've shifted your mind to believe that you can fly a plane. That's not going to work yeah. for me. So, so there, there, there's always skills to develop. But on the other side, if you go to all the flight training in the world, but you have serious self-doubt about whether you can do it, then you're also not going to be a great pilot. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a both and, not an either or. So if we start on the, on the outside first, mm-hmm. nobody is afraid of putting themselves out there uh, with their content. They're afraid that their content won't land. They're afraid that they're not going to be clear on their message. They're afraid that it's not going to be valuable. They're afraid that it's that it's not going to be that it's not going to resonate with people. They're afraid people are going to uh, disagree with what it is they say, or 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 bring some kind of evidence that what they're saying is wrong. And, yeah. and all those things are are all 
um, valid stories. They're not actually true, but they're all valid stories that all I know that I've definitely felt uh, myself as well. But if you were to tell somebody that, listen, all you have to do for content marketing is jump on a Facebook Live or type up a blog post that is just the English alphabet, right? And let's say you're a native English speaker. That's all I want you to do is I want you to hit Facebook Live and I want you to just say the alphabet, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And, 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 and that, that's all you're going to do. So many people that say they're afraid of creating content would be able to do that. They would figure out a way to do it. And it's because they know the alphabet. The alphabet is ingrained in who they are. They're clear on the alphabet. They know how many letters are in the alphabet. They have sung the alphabet over the years in school to learn it. So that yeah. it is so deeply ingrained into who they are. That's one of the biggest things on the outside is if you had true clarity on what it is you want to talk about, if you stop guessing and trying to be somebody who shares content from an intellectual standpoint and instead just document or share your own experience of life or insights you got from being coached or insights you got from coaching somebody else or insights you got from seeing a movie or reading a book or whatever other way that these insights in your world come up, if you're just sharing what you know to be true for you, then number one, you, you can have clarity on message because you'll know that you, you're not trying to be a, a PhD in psychology or, or you know, the leading expert uh, in, in NLP or, or whatever it is that you think you need to be. You're just sharing your experience of the world. And the other side of that that's really helpful is that that takes away any of the validity of concern of what people will say or if they'll judge you or if they'll disagree. Because if somebody judges you or disagrees or says you're wrong – when they're doing that in relation to what it is uh, you sharing through your lens on the world, then it becomes a really easy thing to, to take care of. So for example, when I talk about being 332 pounds and, and I'm sharing my experience of that and how depressing it was and how I would, you know, I would be on the floor in the morning, sometimes in the fetal position crying because I felt so uncomfortable in my body and my clothes never fit. And I just felt so worthless. And I'm just, I'm telling a story of how terrible it felt to be that, that version of me. If somebody were to stand up in an audience when I'm sharing that story or, or comment on a Facebook Live when I'm sharing that story and they say, well, you know, I'm 400 pounds and I've never been happier, then my only response is, that's fantastic. I'm so happy that for you, that's your experience of being 400 pounds. For me, my experience of being 332 pounds was this. And that way, there's nothing to disagree with. So as long as you remember to only be an expert in one thing, and that's you and your life and how you've experienced it, and you don't share your content as an absolute truth, right? Because there's my truth, there's your truth, and then there's the truth. As long as I'm only sharing things as my truth and not an absolute that is supposed to pertain to everybody in the world, then I am essentially immune to any kind of judgment or, or criticism uh, in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you mentioned um, a couple of things, but I um, maybe it wasn't rejection, but it came to my mind rejection. So fear of being rejected uh, because of the content and um, like overcoming this resistance. You talk about, for example, your own experience, and and I think one of your videos you mentioned, which is which is great. You know, shift this mindset. I think that if you are ahead of, you know, just by a couple of steps ahead of somebody, you have so much to share, you have so much to help. So for example, in my case, it, it was, I think, a similar way of approaching this. Like, you know, I've been through this personal development journey. So if I just do and uh, share my experiences, what I've, what I've been through, then, you know, it can be helpful uh, for you know, the version of myself three years ago, four years ago, or anybody who is in that period of their life, right? So this is, I think, a great way to think about uh, this kind of content sharing, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. And what I wanted to uh, talk about, of course, resistance and fear. Like, how did you overcome this resistance of sharing content or putting yourself out there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, it's just a practice, right? So, you know, the, it's, um, uh, th there's a song, uh, did you ever watch the show Orange is the New Black? Or, no. <laughs> okay. So it's, it's a great show. It's, yeah. It's a Netflix show. It's, it's a Netflix, it's a really, it's a very popular okay. Netflix show. It's really, really awesome. It's been on for I don't know, five or six years or something. And there's a, the theme song for the show is uh, is a, is a um, song called "You've Got Time," and it's the the show is all about being in jail. So you've got time, you know, kind of a double entendre. Uh, and and one of the lines in the song is uh, "Standing still, uh, sorry, uh, taking steps is easy. Standing still is hard." 
right? Taking mm-hmm. steps is easy. Standing still is hard. And when I first heard that, I'm like, no, 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 she has it backwards. Taking steps is freaking hard. Standing still is easy. But what she, what, what I took away from that is that the internal struggle that I feel when I stand still, when I know that I want to be taking steps is much more debilitating to my soul than just taking the steps, right? Standing here and waiting. And believe me, I know because I say this all the time. It's, it's what I talk about. It's the first chapter of Prison Break and it's, it's my story. It's my experience of life yeah. is that the more I was overweight in my body, in my mind, in my heart, the more I was carrying around that weight, W-E-I-G-H-T, the longer I waited, W-A-I-T, the longer I would wait to do the things I wanted to do. And so the more I held on to the weight, the longer I waited. The longer I waited, the heavier I felt. And it was like this, this self-propagating loop. And it just the, the more I stood still, the heavier I felt. And so it really becomes a thing of, are you willing? And this is another one of these big distinctions, worthy versus willing. Get rid of any question of worthiness. There is no way for you to be worthy or unworthy. There's no measure of worthiness. There's no place you can go to get like your life stamped to make you worthy. It just doesn't exist. It's, it's something where we're trying to find a finite answer to an infinite question. Like there, there is no way to measure your worth. So if we can shift out of needing to be worthy and instead shift into being willing then, then we can put ourselves out there. And, and the, and the other reminder, especially with content, and this is something where it's kind of a, a bittersweet thing to share, but, but it's very true. When you first start sharing content, almost nobody's going to see it. So don't worry about everybody seeing it and you being terrible and everything else. Nobody, not that many people are going to see it. And if they do, and if you do something like a Facebook live or a video or a post, and after you do it, you just feel like way too vulnerable and you wish you hadn't done it, then you can delete it but at least give yourself the chance to put it out there first. For some reason, people think that when they start, you know, getting out of their comfort zone in that way and putting themselves out in the world, that it's like toothpaste in a tube, right? When you squeeze toothpaste out of a tube, there's no way you're getting that toothpaste back in the tube. It just, that's not how it works. Once it's out, it's out. Us showing up in the world and sharing our content is not like toothpaste in a tube. It's much more like a door to your house. If you step outside the door to your house and it's too cold or it's raining, you can step right back in the door and into the safety of your home again. So there's no real fear. There's no real danger. There's no real risk to sharing yourself. There is, however, a huge danger and a huge risk of not listening to your soul and having your soul atrophy and having your heart atrophy day after day, month after month, year after year, because you're not doing the thing that the universe and your soul is telling you you must do. So if this is something you're feeling that you must do, the reason you think you can't is the reason that you must. Amazing. Thank you for sharing this. I mean, uh, it's it's really great. And you know, when I started the podcast, for example, like talking about content, this is one way to, do, to create content, of course. Uh, but it helped me so much with finding my voice and, and the things that I really resonate with. So I think when someone starts to create content, right, they can, they can also find their voice. But I wanted to ask you actually about a specific topic. Like, you know, everybody says, find your customer avatar, ideal client, niche it down until it hurts, especially online. So did you have some kind of a similar approach with the content that you share or was it totally different? Yeah. So, so I think that in the beginning, it's best to just put it out there and not worry about niching down or anything like that. I think, uh, I think niching, if you have a niche, that's great. I think when we pick niches intellectually, uh, it, it becomes a challenge because again, there's no real connection to it. For me, when the way we work with people in our programs and in our academies where we teach coaches how to build their businesses, this is a big thing that we do is we really tap into their origin story. We really see what it was that was their own transformation and what beliefs had to shift in their world to go from who they were to who they are today. Uh, you know, one of my one of my mentors talks about this the phone booth metaphor, where somebody goes into the phone booth as Clark Kent and they come out as Superman. What happened inside the phone booth for them to go from Clark Kent to Superman? I want to look at my own life for that first. I want to know what was my phone booth moment? What needed to change for me? What were the beliefs I had about the world before my transformation? And what do I believe about that same world and those same circumstances? Because circumstances don't necessarily change. We have to change. How do I look, how do I view life and how do I live life now? So that's the the basis for me. If you really want to create purposeful content is look at your own life and your own transformation and, and ask yourself, what were the three to five things that needed to happen for me to go from who I was to who I am today and start sharing things that are inside the silos of those three to five things. 
And, and to me, that's the that's a fantastic place to start. You don't need to worry about a niche. You don't have to worry about a, a specific industry or anything else to work with. And, and this is that's a much deeper conversation. But just to start, at least, I would look at your own transformation and share content that's in alignment with what you needed to do to transform your own life. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing. And uh, I actually had one, um, like two questions. And, and um, it's about like, what was your biggest business shift and, and mindset shift, so to speak? So on your coaching journey, what were those moments, you know, change your, um, yeah, business uh, in a mindset and business way? Yeah. <laughs> I hope you understand. No, no, my no. Question. No, I know. I, I totally understand. Yeah. I'm just trying to think what, what that might be because there's been so many things and, and they keep coming. I mean, it's yeah. like there's no, I'll yeah. never be done. It's, you know, every time you hit a new level in your business or you want to launch something new or you're going to serve a new group of people, all the old stuff comes back up again and you, and you get the, you know, the quote gift of getting to deal with it again, even though you thought it was all gone and it was all taken care of because that's just not the way it works. Because again, like a video game, you don't beat one level and then the next level, you just walk around all day, you go to the next level yeah. and there's new challenges to work on. So, so for me, I think the the ego versus service thing was a big thing, right? So, so really shifting into, you know, what I call selling by serving. Uh, and, and not selling by pushing, not selling by convincing, not selling by self-promotion, but really selling by serving, just putting so much service out into the world and knowing that over time that always comes back to me. That was a, that was a big shift for me. Um, I think another shift for me was leaning into, and this is a big part of, again, what we teach. And we think that, you know, we always teach that your system for building what we call a competition-proof coaching business, that system is the overlap of three things. And it's your genius zone, your comfort zone, and your service zone. And so I'll say those again, the genius zone, the comfort zone, and the service zone. So the service zone is, is, is just kind of the, the, what you do. That's, you know, that's the coaching. That's, you know, whatever your program is, that's your retreat, your, your course, whatever it is that that's in the service zone. And that's the one that's actually the least important uh, of the three. So for me, the big shift was really focusing on those other two. So what does that mean? Comfort zone. Everybody says you got to get out of your comfort zone. Well, when it comes to client creation, I actually think you should stay completely in your comfort zone. I think you should find the ways that you most naturally connect with human beings person to person and go do a ton of that. And people say, no, 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 but I need to find clients. I need to find prospects. No, you need to slow down and connect with human beings. And if you start connecting wow. with human beings, human to human, not coach to prospect, you'll see that your, your, your relationship with these people will deepen more quickly and they may never become a client, but they may refer you to somebody or they may teach you something you need to know, or they may bring you in and, and have you speak at their company. Like you have no idea what kind of contribution you making to the universe is going to come back to you as, but when you're in your comfort zone, you ask yourself, how do I most naturally connect with people? For me, I realized when I first started coaching, everybody says, oh, you got a cold call and you got to, you know, you have to get on the phone all the time and do all this stuff. And it just felt so unnatural to me. And it felt so not just unnatural. It felt like not in alignment with who I am. And, and, and there's a difference between like something feeling in not in alignment and something just that you're not trained on yet. And so it's important to figure out the difference because some people will say, oh, Facebook lives, that's out of alignment. And when you talk to them, it's just really, they just don't know how to do it and they feel afraid of it. So they're just not trained. But there are certain things where you really just feel like, oh, this feels like not the person I want to be. So I slowed that down and I said, okay, I don't want to pick up the phone and call a bunch of people. How do I best connect with people? And I started thinking about this and I realized, oh, you know what? I'm really good at either sending like audio messages or video messages to people on Facebook via Facebook Messenger and really like connecting with them and like being a part of their world and being curious and, and making them feel seen and heard. And I'm like, well, why don't I just do more of that? And so I focused strictly on doing that. And that was how I built like 90% of my business right from the get-go was being really purposeful about just connecting with human beings on Facebook and, and using Facebook Messenger. So whatever that looks like for you, I've had, I've had coaches that I've worked with who were huge into CrossFit. They love CrossFit. They love their CrossFit community. They would meet up with their CrossFit people outside of the gym. They would go to the gym every single day. And they started focusing on creating connections with people there. And they started building their business that way. Like there's limitless ways you can do it, but figure out what's really comfortable for you and go do more of that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I started mainly with with uh, written content, and podcasting is, is is much better, or talking at least. But you know, I was just a little bit scared, or some something like that. Actually, my vision, you know, I, I see myself talking to people in the future. But I was like, you know, I need to become really natural 
because I just envisioned myself talking in English. Yeah. And, and, you know, I just, I just saw myself. I just need to, you know, I don't know, practice and, and, and gain into this. What I want to say is that um, people really need to feel what's closer to them. Maybe it's video, maybe it's written content, maybe it's audio, um, you know, and you need to experiment basically with all those contents and then just trying those things out. And you mentioned Facebook. Uh, yeah, and I wanted to ask you about the platforms because, you know, there are also, you know, a lot of coaches, I think, are really, you know, confused which platform to use. Facebook is the platform that you use. I focus on LinkedIn nowadays much more than Facebook, but Facebook is is your platform, is the platform. Yeah, for, for me, yeah, for me, I've always loved Facebook. You know, that, that to me, uh, Facebook is the only place, and, and LinkedIn's getting better about this now, but Facebook is the only platform that's actually designed for communication. It's designed for dialogue. And, and, and yeah. one major distinction that I talk about all the time is that the, the difference between people who are using social media ineffectively versus the way people are using social media effectively is that the people that are using it ineffectively are having a monologue with people, whereas the people who are using it effectively are having a dialogue with people. And so, and, yeah, and, so. And, and so I feel like some of the platforms are not really set up for dialogue. And, and just because you have comments on something doesn't mean it's set up for dialogue. Like there's, there's a difference. Like Facebook Live, for example, is to me the quintessential way that, that communication can take place, that a dialogue can take place. And, and now LinkedIn is following suit. And in certain parts of the world, they now have LinkedIn Live that's been made available to the user. So the, the live video thing mm-hmm. is a big thing. And, and I, I suggest everybody play with that because there's just a lot of preference being given to that from an algorithm perspective. But even more than that, it's just the best way that I've seen online to connect with your audience and to share things in real time that, that allow you to have that dialogue with them. So for me, I focused on mm-hmm. Facebook. All the platforms are super valid. You can find ways to do it all. For me, the the democratization of content on Facebook, uh, the way that it's easy to find, easy to share, easy to communicate makes it my favorite platform. Uh, Instagram is, is, is yeah. much more of a platform where people have to uh, have to drive people back to your content. You have to either you know do story takeover be mentioned in somebody's stories or get really, really strategic about hashtags. And for me, that's a game I just don't want to play. Uh, and LinkedIn, I think, is actually much more like Facebook, where it's much easier to find content, to share content, to interact with content. So so you got to find where your people are. And, and for the most part, everybody's on every platform. But if you are more specifically B2B, then of course, LinkedIn's going to be good. Uh, if you're dealing more with a, you know, kind of a middle-aged crowd, uh, then Facebook is great. Uh, if you're dealing with a super young crowd or you're looking to play the long game of people who could be your client in three to five years, then yeah, maybe look at TikTok, uh, which I still don't necessarily get the value of, but it's entertaining as a platform. Uh, and then uh, and Instagram is great too, especially if you have any kind of service-based business that's visually based. Uh, if you are in fitness and health or in uh, anything in, in that realm, it's great because that's all very visually driven. Uh, and I think you can do great on that too as, as a life coach or, or a relationship coach or anything else. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've stuck with Facebook just because it's to me, it's wired for dialogue. So much value bombs for the listeners. No, I'm happy, man. Yeah, um, I, I think we could go for hours. I could ask a couple of more questions, but um, I appreciate your time. And I wanted to ask you, uh, so yeah, before I ask my last question, tell the listeners where they can find you online. Well, definitely not Facebook. No, I'm just kidding. So uh, yeah, Facebook Facebook is the is the place I hang out the most. Uh, you can go to facebook.com slash the Jason Goldberg, like the T-H-E, the, the Jason Goldberg. Uh, and I'll also give you a link to share with your uh, listeners so that you guys can get free access to this uh, book that I've written called How to Create a Competition-Proof Coaching Business. And it lays out our entire model of how we do that and how we teach people. And if you've if you've liked and resonated with what I've said here, if you've if you've been listening to this stuff and shaking your head yes and saying, that's the way I want to operate in the world. That's the way I want to run my business. That's how I want to feel about connecting and content creation and all that. If that's resonated for you, if it hasn't, if you say, nope, all this is stupid, I hate this, I would never do any of this, then don't download the book. But if this stuff has resonated with you, then I think the book will be really, really powerful. So I'll share that with you. Uh, and when you download that book, there'll also be a link where you can join us in our Facebook group of you all. We have a free Facebook group, over 2,000 people, and either somebody from me or my team is going live, usually three days a week with some really good in-depth training on something to either build your mindset or to build your coaching business so come join the conversation that's amazing uh, and the link is going to be in the show notes and my last question is and i also wanted you to talk about your current business focuses and your vision for the future like how do you see yourself in the future 
Yeah. So for right now, we we're super excited. We're making some changes to our core, you know, our core product, our core service that we run right now is our competition proof business immersion program, where we work with a, a group of coaches to help them build their businesses online and to focus on these, these three pillars that I talk about in that, in that book that you guys will get access to. And we love doing that. And there, there's a huge, there's a big change we're making to it that we haven't even announced yet, but there's a big change we're making to it that we're really excited about. We started it about a year and a half ago. We've had over a hundred people go through it and it's just been a amazing to see what people have been able to create in the world. So really excited to keep doing that and keep supporting people through that. And the longer term vision for me, honestly, man, is, you know, my, my whole thing, my whole, my whole goal for all this work. And, and, and I, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I'll, I'll say it now is that my business plan for my company is literally one line. It's a one line business plan. And, and, and anybody listening to this can adopt this one-line business plan with one small change for whatever it is for you. And I promise it'll make a difference in the way you approach your business and also in the success of your business. So our one-line business plan is that we want to leave everybody we meet with at least 5% more joy than when we found them. And if we focus on that plan, if we say, what can we do in this course? What can we do in this program? What can I do with this one-on-one -on -one client? What can I do with this piece of content or this book or this talk or this whatever to remove people's suffering, to at least significantly reduce people's suffering in the world and instead leave them at least 5% more joyful than when we found them? then I don't care if that's even in my current business. I don't care if I go tomorrow and, and become a, a barista at Starbucks. My goal in life is to leave everybody I meet with 5% more joy than I found them. And so for me, what that means for the next iteration of who I am is to bring that to an even bigger audience, out, even more so outside of coaches, and to really focus on the entertainment side of personal growth. I think there's still a big gap in the market for wow. people who can bring humor and fun and a lot of other elements of things that I love into personal growth. So one of the things I'm working on for this year is actually a, a show uh, that I'll be producing and, and having it you know, be somewhere on the web, uh, but a show where we can really start integrating more of the entertainment in with the education. Wow, that's amazing. What kind of show is Is it a video or podcast or what format? Yeah, it'll be a video show and uh, and that's all I'm going to say about it right now, but it's, it's going to be a video show and the, the elements of it are going to be something that doesn't, doesn't really exist out there any, any, anywhere right now. So we're really excited to, to play with that this year. Amazing, man. I'm, I'm just blown away. So thank you so much for sharing this. And thank you so much for being on the show. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you, man. Me too. Thanks so much for having me. What is up, Mindset Nation? Thank you so much for listening. And I really hope this episode's been highly valuable to you. And if so, please make sure to spread the word and share this episode with your friends. We are on a mission to build this community of Mindset Nation, so please make sure to go to iTunes, go to Stitcher and support us by rating and reviewing the show and don't forget to subscribe as well. For more information about Mindset Horizon, simply visit our website MindsetHorizon.com and sign up to our weekly newsletter to get the latest information about new episodes, Mindset Transforming freebies, tips and insights. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Leave us a message. We'd love to get in touch with you and hear more about you. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and be limitless, my friends. <laughs>